Hello and welcome to the Biz Design Enterprise Architecture Podcast. My name is Will Scott, and in these podcasts, we talk to thought leaders in the area of enterprise architecture and how they and their teams drive and deliver value to the organization in the areas of strategy advancement, operational efficiencies, and reduction and management of risk. Today, I'll be interviewing Mark Langhorse. Mark is Managing Consultant and Chief Technology Evangelist here at BizDesign. Now, many of you will know Mark. He's been in enterprise architecture for over 20 years and is one of the original authors of the Archimate language, which he's still heavily involved in today. Now, Mark works with EA teams all over the globe, and today we talk about how EA teams can speak the language of business and drive and demonstrate the value they can provide to the enterprise. So let's go to that interview now. Well, Mark, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, perhaps it'd be useful for our listeners if you just introduce yourself and talk a little bit more about what you do for Biz Design. Okay, thanks, Will. Um, yeah, so I'm uh, with Biz Design in the role of managing consultant and chief technology evangelist. And uh, I've been in, in enterprise architecture for about 20 years now. And one of the things I've, I've been heavily involved with over the years is the development of the Archimedes standard for modeling uh, architecture as an open group standard. Uh, I've led the original development of that when it was still a research project with uh, companies and uh, universities. And that was handed over to the Open Group uh, in uh, 2008, and I've, I've still uh, led the team that developed newer versions of the standard over the years. BusyZone was one of the first to implement that, uh, and I've been working for BusyZone now for about seven years. Uh, in those in those two roles I mentioned, so I help our customers implement our software. I teach courses, uh, do workshops, all kinds of uh, things to, to support our customers in their journey to to mature enterprise architecture. Well, thanks very much, Mark. And you speak with great uh, humility. I'm sure most people who are in the enterprise architecture space have heard your name, given your involvement in the Archimate standard. Uh, but again, thanks for being here. So, Mark, one of the things I wanted to chat to you today about is uh, the following. Enterprise architecture teams often struggle to get relevance and visibility with the C-suite and senior executives and those people who are perhaps not familiar with what enterprise architecture is and what enterprise architecture can do. Could you give your observations on what enterprise architecture teams can do better to get that um, seat around that table and that uh, resonance with the uh, C-suite and senior executives? I think the first problem that these teams often encounter is that they speak in different terms. Um, their world is often one of technology, and they speak in technology terms. Uh, but the C-suite wants to wants to be addressed in business terms, and they have business issues to uh, to solve. Uh, so casting what you can can offer in in those terms, I think is is very important. And um, enterprise architecture does have a lot to offer there. And just in in terms of some of these these business issues, what I often see is um, that organizations struggle with uh, capital allocation, where to invest, and architecture can really help with that. Uh, business agility is a real problem. And I'm not talking about agility in the, in the small sense, in the narrow sense of just agile software development. It's adaptivity of the organization, of the enterprise, to changing circumstances, to new opportunities. Uh, then I see organizations that, that need to be more customer-centric, customer-centricity across the whole enterprise. Again, an issue that enterprise architects can really contribute to. Um, regulatory compliance is a major headache for many C-level uh, people, uh, say, or chief risk officer, uh, chief financial officers. Compliance, especially in, in areas like finance, are so dominant now in change agendas. That's really 
an area where uh, you need to, to put your effort. And finally, uh, as we have seen over the last uh, months, of course, operational resilience, how to deal with unforeseen disruptions. And architecture, again, is a great instrument to help with that, provided that you indeed talk in these terms with the business to show what you can do. Um, so, yeah, lots of different areas you could focus on, but put it in business terms. That's great. Well, let's uh, pick on a few of those because some of those that you mentioned there, I think, couldn't be more relevant in the pandemic world that we currently live in. Um, so let's press on and talk a little bit more about what enterprise architecture can do in terms of, let's say, capital allocation and business agility, and then also operational resilience as well. Because when you talk about those, I can't imagine anything more important to a business right now, how they spend money, how they adapt and change to changing circumstances, and how they continue to operate with resilience. Could you talk a little bit more about those three things? Yeah. Okay. Let's let's start with this uh, capital allocation. Um, well, that's that's a term that you won't hear architects use very frequently, but it's really the the responsibility of the C level, especially the CEO and CFO. Where do you want to invest to advance your strategy? And in many organizations, you see this kind of decibel-driven uh, portfolio management, where the people with the loudest voices get their projects approved. That's really not what you want. But if you have a mature architecture discipline, you can connect these dots. You can trace from your business goals to the specific requirements those pose on, on any solutions you have, technology solutions, business processes, capabilities, etc. And from there down into the projects and programs that, that evolve that, uh, that core of the enterprise. So you create that traceability between where you want to go, what, what's needed to, uh, to get there, and then the efforts you put in there, and that helps you in deciding whether or not to invest in some project or program or some other initiative, uh, and that really gives you that line of sight from strategy to execution. That's a great way to put it. I, I love that phrase, uh, decibel-driven decisions uh, is something we don't want, right? And, and you're right, the people with the loudest voice or the pet project sometimes get that project through, not necessarily the right thing for the business to do, but rather just the loudest voice around the table. So that's great. Now, perhaps move on to business agility, the ability for an organization or enterprise to be adaptive. Again, I can think of nothing more relevant and poignant right now, given the world that we currently live in, and how many businesses have actually had to look at themselves carefully and say, how adaptive are we and how do we change to changing circumstances? Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so, so talking about agility, it's often uh, the, the term is sort of hijacked by uh, the, the software development world, uh, and it's uh, certainly an aspect of agility that you have agile development processes that you can easily uh, change uh, things when, when user requirements change, for instance. Yeah, then your process is short cyclical, and you can uh, adapt to that. But architects add another kind of agility, and that's more, let's call it system agility. A good architecture helps you create a structure that's easy to change as well. Because if you have an agile process, but you're still pouring concrete, then the end result will not be flexible, not be agile, not be adaptive. So the role of architects is very much in ensuring that what's created is also changeable. Um, and if you, if you don't have a solid architecture, you, you often see that with companies that start on that agile journey with uh, lots of agile teams developing software, but then in two, three, four years time, they notice that what they've been developing has gradually turn into a hairball that's very difficult to change. So without architecture, agility is, is only maybe achievable in the short term, but certainly not in the long term. 
Um, so that kind of adaptivity, agility, that's really what architects uh, contribute across the whole enterprise, making sure that the bits can easily move and change uh, without any uh, undue dependencies. So that's interesting, and I'm glad you pointed that out because, and I think that's a great phrase, that the, the phrase has been hijacked. Quite often people might tune out when they hear the word agile because they believe it's a de development methodology and approach, which of course it is. But you're talking agile, let's say with a capital A, the agility of the entire organization across technology and software and processes and strategy and programs and projects and everything that the enterprise architecture has in its domain. Um, so let's move on and talk about operational resiliency. Um, can you talk a little bit more about what enterprise architects can do to have an effect on understanding and improving operational efficiency? Yeah, it's, it's somewhat related to this agility theme, um, but also uh, different in bits. Operational resilience is really about understanding what your dependencies are. Uh, if this bit fails, what happens over there? If we need to scale up this bit, what do we need to do over, over there? So it's really about managing all these connections and dependencies. And that's, that's the first thing. And secondly, if you have a good picture of, uh, say, the current state of affairs in your enterprise and where it's going, you can also uh, analyze different kinds of scenarios. You can do all kinds of what-if analyses based on that current state. And because you don't really know what's coming, but you can analyze possible scenarios. And based on that, um, make sure that you are resilient uh, against those kinds of futures. Um, you don't know what's coming, but at least you can make sure that you can withstand the, the, the storms, basically. And that also ties back into that capital allocation because based on these scenario analyses, you can also uh, inform decision-making on where to invest. So, for instance, what, one of the issues that many organizations now confronted, are confronted with is that they are very lean and mean. They cut out... Uh, any extra capacity uh, to become as efficient as possible. But in a world that we live in right now, in this uncertain world, you might want to have a bit of overcapacity to be able to deal with all kinds of changes uh, that are very difficult to make when you have optimized everything to the utmost and, and driven out uh, any inefficiency uh, in, in terms of, for example, the resources you have. Uh, say hospitals really see that, that if you don't have uh, enough ventilators, you really run into trouble. Maybe you don't need them every year. Maybe they, they, they are in storage for nine out of 10 years. But this kind of decision-making, that can be informed by architects and architecture as well, knowing where to, where to invest to make sure that you are resistant against these uncertain futures. And that's interesting you should say that. I know we had a blog entry recently, which had the title, I think it was, Get rid of all contractors by Friday. And this was based on a real life uh, scenario that the CEO had said, we've got to reduce costs in the, in the face of pandemic. So remove all of our contractors by Friday. I think that's a bit of hyperbole, but you, you get the, the idea. And then the EA's team's task was to understand well, what would be the impact of that? What, what, what is, what is affected in terms of, you know, our business agility and affected in terms of our operational resilience? if we did that. And a well-equipped EA team is going to be able to surely, Mark, respond to the CEO with a, with a well-thought-out, if you do that, then this will happen. And it seems to me that's a good thing. You talk a little bit more about those sort of scenarios? Yeah, and I've seen, seen many of those in practice. And also the reverse that, um, say, some, like you say, CIO, CFO, CEO says, all contractors have to go uh, in, in three months' time. And then in six months' time, they had to rehire them because they were on, 
on, on, on key operational processes where you couldn't just do without these contractors because well, you need maybe you just need the resources or you need their knowledge. That kind of that kind of analysis. It's it's often the easiest solution. Oh, just let's just reduce this or that or that. But if you don't know the impact, uh, it's really uh, it's really not doable. And then the, the 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 main problem is that you you are basically increasing your risks if you're not sure what you're actually doing. So a statement like that is easy uh, easy to make, but you really need to underpin that and see what the actual consequences are. And maybe you can still reduce. Uh, the contractors by let's say seventy percent, but maybe the thirty percent you have to keep are on really important uh, operations. Perhaps that's then a, a sign that you have to hire your own people for those roles and not rely on uh, external contractors because they might also go away uh, themselves, and then uh, you also have a problem. Um, that's interesting, and I think um, I think uh, at a sort of abstract level, at a meta level, we happen to pick on human assets in in that case, but at, a, at an abstract level. Enterprise architects, their primary one of their key roles is understanding the interconnectedness throughout the organization, you know, from technology and applications to people and projects and all those things that they have under their governance. And I always think of it like they, they, they can answer the question, if I tug on this string here, how does that affect the rest of uh, the organization and, and indeed our, our plans? Uh, one last uh, question, Mark, um, because uh, um, it's become such an important area these days with the explosion of data. Can you just spend a little bit time, a little bit of time, talking about how enterprise architecture can address risk mitigation, particularly in terms of regulatory compliance? Yeah, that's a, that's a prime topic in many organisations. So certainly in, uh, say, finance, uh, I know that many banks and insurance companies spend about half their budget on staying compliant. Uh, their, their change budget. Uh, so uh, all sorts of things like, say, personal data risk, that's really a, a key one, how to deal with personal information. And one of the things that enterprise architects can contribute there is that they know where the data is used, where it is stored, how it propagates through the enterprise, who has access to certain uh, applications, so access to the data stored in those applications. And you can really create those kinds of analyses where you can basically start from the data, classify that in terms of, uh, well, say, say, uh, personal data uh, type, et cetera, or for other reasons. Um, I'm involved with another customer that's really into um, intellectual property sensitive stuff. They classify their data based on that. Uh, and that's really the sensitive, uh, their, their recipes basically, that needs to be protected. And then they see how that propagates through their enterprise, where it's used, where it's stored. So you know where to uh, protect it, what measures to take, and that ties back also into that capital allocation discussion because that also shows you where you need to invest uh, based on a risk analysis to make sure that you're safe and compliant. Uh, instead of having blanket measures that are really expensive, you can pinpoint your investments and, and spend more on the areas where it really matters and maybe less on areas where it doesn't matter that much. Uh, so that's really something to, to think about. Risk analysis, risk mitigation, regulatory compliance. Uh, it's really an area where architecture has... Uh, lot to offer. Again, based on this uh, management, uh, understanding of dependencies, coherence, that's really the job of an architect, managing managing coherence, managing dependencies. I like that phrase, managing coherence and managing dependencies and understanding all that interconnectedness. So in summary, Mark, what I'm hearing is enterprise architects, to get that resonant message with the C-suite and the senior executives, need to not talk in Archimate terms and enterprise architecture terms, but they need to talk in business terms and attach themselves to things that business cares about specifically 
advancing strategy through the right allocation of capital, operational efficiency and resiliency, and also risk mitigation and management as well. And if they can talk in those terms, then they have a much better chance of getting that, that seat around the table. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. And, and one final uh, remark is that I see that many architects are, you could say in a sense, a bit shy. They, they do have a lot of knowledge, but they, um, they find it sometimes difficult to really speak about that, to, to advertise that. Uh, they, they should play offense a bit more than just defense and, and wait for people to come to them with their questions. And I've seen that the most successful architecture teams really grab these business issues, use their architecture knowledge to show to the, to the business, to the C-level, what they could contribute. And then they, they create their own demand, basically. Uh, if you show what kind of value you can add, uh, there's so much need for better information at these management levels that they will jump on you if you can really show what you have to offer there. But you have to play offense. It's not just waiting till they come to you. You have to, to go show and tell the people what's, what the value of, of architecture is. Maybe you shouldn't even call it architecture in some organizations because then people might think about technology already. The term architecture is something that's associated with engineering with then with IT, and that's the guys in the basement. So maybe call it something else. Uh, I don't know. Uh, say coherence management or, or, or dependency management, whatever you want to call it. But talking these business terms, um, like well, strategy advancement and the others you, you mentioned, go out there, show what you can add rather than uh, telling people and, and perhaps or, or waiting until they come to you. Well, Mark, thanks so much for your time today. And it's always a pleasure talking to you. You've got such a well-informed view in the world, you know, by the fact that you work with enterprise architecture teams all over the world and have real-life practical experience. So, Mark, thanks so much for your time today. I hope to have you back on at some point in the future for more of your great insights. Um, but again, thanks. Okay, thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Mark, in particular his views on the ways in which EA teams can drive value for the enterprise and articulate what they can do and the value they can bring in the language of business. For more podcasts, blogs, and recorded webinars, please visit us at businessign.com where there is a wealth of information available. And if you'd like to tell your EA story and feature on this podcast, then please email me, Will Scott, at podcast at bizdesign.com. Bizdesign is a leader in the area of enterprise architecture software and supports enterprise architecture teams in delivering value to their organizations with a key focus on the value outcomes of strategy advancement, operational efficiency, and reducing risk. Thanks for your time today.